0: Welcome to the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast. Presented by the News Press and Naples Daily News. One, two,
1: three.
2: Hello and welcome to the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast. I am Dustin Levy, joined by Dan DeLuca and Alex Martin. Alex... Welcome back to the show. How do you think Ed did filling in for you last week?
3: Ed did pretty good. Uh, you know, I wasn't ducking you guys. I wasn't ducking the podcast. You know, enjoying my time out west in uh, San Diego and Phoenix. It was good. But, you know, Ed offered some great analysis,
2: and it's only fitting that he retired after an uh, excellent week in which he went 9-1. And Dan, we'll get into your game in a bit, but how did it feel to be on the sidelines of a competitive game for one?
1: Well, it was it was different, you know. I, I got to almost be there uh, past 10 o'clock, which was exciting. Um, it, it, was a, it was a memorable game. We'll talk about it more, uh, in, you know, as we're going through the show. But it, it, it was worth the, uh, the extra time spent there.
2: Yeah, there's a lot to get into this week, so let's dive into it. Let's start with uh, the game of the week which uh, our games of the week have been a bit of a kiss of death. They've all been pretty lopsided, and we did not see this coming, but uh, Bishop Row 49, Dunbar 14, a running clock finish, snapping a streak of 18 wins for Dunbar against Lee County opposition, uh, and this was a really impressive one for the Vikings. Virtually uh, all their scoring drives were the same, with Deshaun Jenkins just running for chunk, Yardage, and then Carter Smith uh, cleaning up. He uh, finished the game with six rushing touchdowns. Most of them came in the red zone. Um, there was one 50-yarder, um, but he, he completed eight passes in this game, which is you know very funny considering his first game of the season he threw five touchdown passes. This one he rushes for six, but you know this really came down to the, the trenches. Uh, Verro as a team had th- 316 rushing yards. Um, versus 45 for Dunbar, you know, on defense. Uh, 12 and a half sacks for the team by seven yeah. different players. It was just a, a really, really impressive effort. And I think one that the Vikings kind of expected coming in. You know, I was I was there at a, a Varro practice early last week doing a story on Brian Peterson. Uh, I was talking to some fans, I was talking to Brian. They all thought that they had a chance for this to happen. But, uh, Really impressive win for Rowe, and this one is definitely going to sting for Dunbar.
3: Yeah, without a doubt. And Rowe's 49 points on Dunbar, the most since Immokalee put up 51 on them in 2017. And it's that's the second highest point total allowed by a Sammy Brown coach team at Dunbar. And the most points surrendered at home yeah, since 2014 when Fort Myers put up 60 on them in the final week of the regular season. Funny part about that game, Richie Road is actually the offensive coordinator for Fort Myers, so uh, Richie's kind of ha- had his way, uh, you know, multiple facets. But, you know, Dustin, I got to ask you, like, if you're a Dunbar player, you know, are, are you kind of embarrassed to wake up the next morning just because of what happened there? I mean, it just kind of comes off, you know, a lot of hype around this game, Dunbar coming off an excellent season, and they get running clocked at home.
2: Uh, like I said, it's going to sting. Um, yeah. It's I don't think it was an atrocious effort or anything like that. It was just you saw once Varro saw that they could run on Dunbar, they just kept with that game plan. I will say Austin Price finished the game despite how under duress he was, with a pretty decent stat line. The you know, Vero did their best to take away the deep ball. They did that. You know, they they still got some yards in the passing game. But they don't really have a running game right now. But uh, I, I know that Sammy Brown is going to have them <laughs> have them fired up for this week at Fort Myers, and, and we'll get to that in a bit. Uh, Dan, I, I want to ask you about your game, uh, South Fort Myers getting the win over North. Uh, what did you see from the Wolfpack?
1: Uh, well, it was a really kind of a, not a whole lot happened through the first three quarters. It was 7-0. Uh, North uh, had a lot of difficulty moving the football. Um, they had a lot of difficulty their offensive line blocking South, but South really struggled with North's defense as well. Uh, aside from, uh, you know, that early touchdown, they were really struggling to get things going. And then We had a stretch in the fourth quarter where things kind of went haywire. Uh, Andre Devine gets north on the board. He returns a punt, uh, 96 yards for a touchdown, ties it up at 7. South Fort Myers answers on their next drive, really their best drive of the game. They go 80 yards. Chase Anguida finds Justin White in the end zone, 14-yard touchdown. They go up 14-7. to Devine returns the ensuing kickoff, 93 yards, all the way to the 5-yard line, but on the next play, South hits uh, Virgil Malloy. He fumbles the football. South recovers. Two plays later, and Gita gets hit from behind. He fumbles. North recovers at the 11-yard line. But then there's a botched exchange between sophomore quarterback Hayden Kahn and Devine uh, on second and goal. He fumbles. And South recovers, just a really odd stretch there, and South's able to hang on for a 14-7 win, and North Fort Myers drops to 0-3. But that was really a, a very physical game, and I think uh, you know that that's kind of going to help South going forward, uh, showing that they and they've played you know three uh, fairly physical teams so far. Started off with Gulf Coast, lost that game in overtime. Performed pretty well against the Riverdale team that just wants to you know get out there and run the football, push you around with with a. Pretty pretty... Pretty good offensive line. They performed very well there, and now they beat a North Fort Myers team that defensively, their line uh, really played well. Uh, One of the best performances I've seen. We all know about Adrian Stone. Uh, There's another defensive tackle that played next to him. Really good game, Parker Glaze. So they've got something going on defense. It's just a matter of offensively. They don't have a lot of experience. Bryce DeRoss missed another game. Coach David Pasquale says he's day-to-day. I think if he was in there under center, North probably finds a way to win that game, really because of their defense. Uh, But they've got another tough game this week against an undefeated Lemon Bay team, and we could be talking about North Fort Myers being 0-4. I I wanted
2: to mention Justin White um, because he was a player that Alex and I went back and forth about it when uh, putting together the underrated list, and early this season for the Wolfpack, he, he's been really shining for them.
1: Yeah, he just he knows how to get open. Uh, it just seems like on every play he's open, he can make a contested catch, he made really <laughs> outstanding 28-yard just diving catch, fully laid out, kind of landed on the football, had to miss a couple plays, but he's a real weapon for South, and I, I, I think when you look at Ingita, his ability to move out out of the pocket Uh, you kind of have to account for him a little bit in the running game and that just opens things up for that passing game and uh, White he runs good routes he has good hands he's got good speed I, I mean he's he's a real weapon for them and he's really been the standout performer in all three of their games on the offensive side of the football so far this season
2: another team that I wanted to highlight are the undefeated Golden Eagles they got the win 33 17 over Immokalee Alex how did that game go
3: very weird first off uh an hour and 45 minute delay that game kicked off shortly before nine o'clock um but overall the the weird game naples is a team that prides itself on special teams um they had quite a few miscues there i think it was two or three miscues on special teams uh specifically on punts botch snap with the punter you know forced him to run uh mockley got the ball in the red zone And then later in the game, Mockley blocked a punt um, and had another red zone possession. But the big thing was, out of both of those, um, Mockley could not score a touchdown. And early on, Naples had their backs against the wall on two different occasions with drives starting in the red zone. uh, And and they ended up allowing just six points. Huge wins for them, given the circumstances. Um, But, you know, it was a little bit... Uh, just of a weird game. I mean, Sean Simeon didn't play in the second half. I don't know if Rick Martin was experimenting, but I think there were five guys over six carries in this one. So it was kind of just one of those games where uh, 27-9 to at halftime, uh, and it ended up being 33-17. to uh, Jack Melton finished with 93 passing yards. Pretty impressive catch by uh, Damarian Salters. He had two catches for 68 yards. But, you know, at the end of the day, the constants of Naples, the run game, and the defense. And regardless of, you know, how young and, and maybe inexperienced this team
2: is, um, they still look strong in both of those uh, facets. I also wanted to highlight Eastley getting their first win under Herbens Paul, 33-7 over Island Coast. Laz Rogers went for 257 yards and three touchdowns in that one. Really
1: impressive effort. Uh, Dan, was there another result this week that stood out to you? Uh, well, we could talk about on Cape Coral, uh, still unbeaten, but... They had some problems with their offense last year. It looks like those problems are kind of still persisting. They do win in overtime. They beat Benita Springs 13-7, to but Benita is a team that has struggled so far this season, uh, aside from uh, beating Baker. And for Cape, aside from putting up 40-plus points in their opening win against Baker, scored 14 against Gateway in a win, and now scored 13 in overtime against Benita Springs in a win. So Congratulations to Cape being 3-0, and but they have to find more ways to score points because you can't expect your defense to hold every opponent under 10 points a game. And it does
2: seem like there could be opportunities in the West with, you know, North winless right now. Um, Mariner definitely has an opportunity and, you know, Cape's undefeated as well. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see all that play out. Uh, another game I was kind of looking at, Bartow beating
3: Golden Gate 24-13. to The offense struggled here. You know, Golden Gate got on the board with a defensive touchdown. You know, not really the type of momentum Nick Bajica was looking for heading into Naples week, especially with this game being played on a Thursday. You know, after a 2-0 and start, we very well could be looking at a, at a 500 Immokalee team after four weeks, and, you know, that's when it'll pretty much be gut check time for them. Um, Another score that kind of surprised me, Port Charlotte 38, Gulf Coast nothing. Ed Gurrier did not play in this game for Port Charlotte, so Ike Perry kind of had his way against Gulf Coast. Maybe a result that was kind of, you know, writing on the wall here just because Gulf Coast's offense lacked. The defense, as Dan kind of mentioned with Cape Coral, you know, you can't hold your opponents to under 10 every game. Uh, Jordan Ingman's squad gets a big win up there. And then uh, Cardinal Mooney beating ECS 37-17. That's a 1-S clash. Uh,
2: Cougars win comfortably there. Good stuff. And after this break, we are going to dive into some of our predictions this season that uh, we may not have gotten right.
1: Let's
0: go! Keep up with the action every week by following our live Friday night scoreboard at NaplesNews.com, News-Press.com. And by downloading the Naples Daily News and News Press apps onto your mobile devices.
2: And welcome back. We wanted to uh, talk in this segment about predictions we might have been right and wrong about this season and we have to all put our hands up on uh, how we all got this wrong, except for Ed last week in the Bishop Road Dunbar game. I know I personally thought you know it might have been a shootout, a high scoring one, and we all picked Dunbar. Why did we get this one so wrong?
3: Well, I'll be the first to admit, you know, this isn't me making a cover up. Privately, I thought Verro was going to win. I just couldn't pick against Dunbar at home. I just, with the streak on the line and everything, and, and I told Richie this. Um, I, I Privately thought that they were going to win. Uh, it's just Dunbar. Okay, yeah, you just not pick that one. Okay, I know. Okay. I know, but Dunbar. C- can I say that I yeah. privately
1: yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. thought they too. were going to win <laughs> as well? Um,
3: <laughs> but I think this one caught us by surprise. At least, you know, maybe not the Verro coaches, but I think a vast majority of this the community was like, "Whoa!" when they saw this scoreline because I don't think anybody expected to see Verro do what they did. Um, But I think if Varro does something similar to First Baptist this week, I I think the gap between Varro and the rest of the area, uh, it's vast and stark. Um, And I would probably include Naples in that bunch just because they have their problems as well. But, you know, maybe we underestimated this Varro team and how talented they are. I I genuinely – I've looked at this team on film and I just – it makes me wonder, like, what's different from last year? You know, it's obviously you have a more veteran group and you have better pieces on the defensive side that are making plays. Um, but I didn't see that one coming,
1: though. Well, I think one of the toughest things for us or I can put myself in this class to evaluate is is the play up up front, your offensive and your defensive lines. And Varo did struggle at times. Uh, last season with the with play on the defensive line, even against teams that, you know, they should have outclassed. I'm just going back to the uh, Cluiston game in the playoffs. They allowed Cluiston to kind of run all over them that game, and it was probably a closer game. They did end up winning at home. Um, and I think we probably underestimated just the growth on both the offensive and the defensive lines. Skill position-wise, I mean, it's obvious that Varro has a lot of talent. Uh, they do have uh, an influx of new players, which can go one of two ways. I mean, we kind of saw last year with Lehigh, Lehigh had a ton of transfers. Lehigh had a lot of hype. And, you know, some of those players didn't really work out the way that Lehigh thought they would. Now, I think, you know, you look at the coaching situations. um, I like sidelines at Varro to kind of handle things probably a little better than Lehigh did last year. But uh, yeah, I mean, now, you know, you're the big dog. You went out, you proved it, you're probably going to be favored in every game this week. So I guess the challenge is kind of bringing that effort week in, week out when now people are expecting you to.
2: And I have to add, Carter Smith is the best player in Southwest Florida. I mean, it's been, you know, a a year since I've seen him up close. But, I mean, just the fact that, you know, the first week of the season he can throw five touchdown passes and this past week rush for for six. And and there was one play where he – it might have been his fifth or sixth touchdown where – he he outran the Dunbar defender to the, the pylon, and you know if, if he stopped short, they would have scored on the next play. But just the competitive fire—I mean, that's just something that stands out when you're up close.
3: Yeah, I saw that play. I mean, he he reversed field, and I don't know how he saw it, but he, I mean, he just outran the Dunbar defender to the end zone. The bigger thing here—he's got twelve what twelve touchdowns through two games, and, he, and they missed a game. Yeah, I mean he, they insane. have a forfeit, and he's still leading the area. Uh, in touchdowns, I think Ethan Crossen has 11, so that'll make for a decent little quarterback battle this week. But I mean, just from the decision making standpoint, he doesn't make bad passes. I mean, I, I watched the game, I-, I rewatched it this past weekend. I mean, it was just drops and maybe an overthrow here and there, just getting rid of the ball. Um, I-, I know he had Maddie Turner wide open uh, in the corner of the end zone, I think in the second half, and, and he and he just flat out dropped it. So, but I mean, Carter Smith is is unlike anything i think we've seen in quite a while especially at the quarterback position and just what he's capable of doing with his legs and uh seeing deshaun jenkins just oh, yeah. bowl over guys um in that game was was
2: quite something i also wanted to look to the west because i think something that none of us would have expected um at this point in the season before district play you know caveat uh north fort myers 0-3 cape coral 3-0 just what have we seen from those two squads early in the season? I think North is just
3: struggling to find its identity, and the quarterback play you know, outside of Bryce DeRoss is just not where it needs to be. North is obviously a younger team, a team with six seniors, but they have the pieces to, to do things. I mean, Adrian Stone, we talked about him earlier in the show. I mean, he's an alpha dog up front, and he should be a game record similar to what Kendall Gervel's doing at Fort Myers. You know, I questioned last two weeks ago. You know, Andre Devine being out wide, I I don't know how to feel about it. Um, You know, obviously Virgil Moy is a good running back, but I'd prefer to have seven back there if it was me. But as a coach, kind of told me, and I I think I brought this up, you know, in the preseason uh, for our podcast. Pasquale's got everything to make things happen there, and to see this zero and three start, you know, not ideal at all. Especially, you know, just the ways that they're losing. It's just, you know, it seems like young team mistakes happening to veteran players, Dan?
1: Well, I will say that the defense almost single-handedly won that game for them against South. It's just offensively, when you don't have a lot of leadership on the line, senior leadership, I should say experienced players, um, and you lose you know, your starting quarterback this early in the season against a schedule that's been pretty tough to start— and you know, not a lot of teams have a sophomore that's ready to step in and really run the offense the way that you want to. And, you know, Caden Khan, um, he did struggle last week. He hurt himself during the game, kinda gutted it out, limping kind of through the game, and you know, just had some untimely turnovers, some mistakes, and that kind of cost them. Uh I think, you know, for North, North's been so good lately that it's kind of tough when you come into a season like this, you have six seniors. That's it. You have very little returning varsity experience, and you have a pretty tough schedule to start. I think it's surprising to see 0-3 next to North, but if you really look kind of under the surface, especially with losing DeRoss as early in the season as they have, uh, his question will come back this week. I think you can kind of understand it.
2: Yeah, and about that schedule, I mean, the first three games of the season facing Sam Sirianni, Sammy Brown, Will Smay, those three coaches have won a lot of games since they've been here, and I, I think that's definitely a factor. Um, As
1: far as Cape Coral, 3-0, do you think that they're going to be able to keep that going? Like I said earlier, I think it really depends on the offense. Uh, That defense is special. I mean, that's a good defense. They'll make plays. They'll shut you down. Again, though, you have to look at the quality of competition so far, too. When they go up against Mariner, when they go up against North, even with North struggles, when that North defense goes up against that Cape offense, Cape needs to have some answers uh, in in that game. Um, You know, they are 3-0, but you look at the quality of opponents you know you're you're not going to win a whole lot of games scoring 14 points and 13 points against good teams so i think their offense is young as well Get this kind of out of your system, and hopefully you're better in the second half of the year. And you look at Mariner also. Mariner, 3-0. That's a great start. Uh, have not played the best competition so far. That's kind of how that schedule's laid out. Josh Nicholson talked about that in the preseason, and it kind of builds up. You know, their bye week comes right before their game with North. So they'll have two weeks to prepare for North, which is going to be a big district game and, and will be one of those games that decides, you know, who wins that district. So with Mariner, even though they play well so far, they're kind of wait-and-see team too. As the competition improves, can you still continue with those types of performances? A
3: team that I want to bring up real quick, South Fort Myers, starting 2-1. and one. I mean, they've been in every game they played, you know, an overtime loss to Gulf Coast in a game that, you know, you could make the argument that they could have won. Uh, big momentum for them early being 2-1 and one because the stretch the rest of the way, it, I mean, it's unfavorable. This is their schedule over the final, just the rest of the regular season. You got Eastley County, an up-and-coming team. You got a Mockley, home versus Barron, at Fort Myers, home versus Cypress at Dunbar, and home versus Mariner. So far, I mean, it looks like a pretty daunting stretch for them. But yeah, I'm very curious to see if they can, you know, if this early season momentum gives them belief and gives them hope, especially with a win over East. Um, you know, they're sitting at three and one going into a game against Immokalee on the road. Um, that I think that they can win right now. So, you know, South Fort Myers, a team that was in our preseason top 10, I think they're kind of a mainstay right now, especially with a win this week. Um, very intrigued by what they're doing there.
1: And I think one of the things, just real quick, that you can't discount, especially with the amount of coaching turnover we've had this year. When you have a young team with players that need experience and you don't get the opportunity to practice, um, that was, I think, has been a big issue in the early season, especially with with some of these teams that aren't returning the whole coaching staff and a bunch of starters. When when you're not able to get out on the field because of the heat, because of the weather, which was really kind of extreme heading into this season, those mistakes are going to show up early in the season. And for a lot of these teams, I think they have.
2: Looking ahead to next week, I was wondering, um, is there any game on the schedule that stands out to you guys? Will we finally have a game of the week that delivers?
3: Uh, I mean, I hope so. I mean, Dunbar-Fort Myers has always been competitive. Uh, Spoiler, that is our game of the week. You
2: know, Dunbar coming
3: off just a terrible loss. Fort Myers riding momentum into this one. So you got two teams that are kind of on uh, contrasting tracks right now. Um, Dunbar looking to obviously change that. Vero FBA is going to be interesting. Uh, just because you know this is going to be FBA's first real test since the state title game last year, and you know a lot of new pieces are going to have to play in this one, and, and that's another game that I'm kind
2: of got my eyes on. Yeah, and the the ability for the Lions to uh, their first couple games to to put up forty points, I, I feel like you they have to feel good about that, um, knowing uh, it could definitely potentially be a shootout against Varro. Um, that would be the hope, if I'm on the first Baptist sidelines, that uh, they could get the better of that like they did last year.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, without a doubt. And, you know, injury
3: situations to monitor, Kervin's Lennon and Sam Sporacio. Uh Lennon uh, and Sporacio were both injured in a game against Estero in week one. They did not play against American Collegiate, so uh, their statuses, I, I would assume, are up in the air. I would think Sporacio is more likely to come back before Lennon. Um, but both both guys are key, you know, points in the offense. Defensively, I am a little bit curious to see how, you know, this FBA team responds. You know, they threw a lot of stunts at Carter Smith uh, on the defensive line last year, you know, rewatching that game, and, um, you know, he, he, Carter Smith's basically seen everything at this point. Um, I would say, you know, through two years and then three games as a starter. Um, so, you know, it should be an interesting fight, you know, but we... Uh, you know, we'll see what happens in that one. Dan, is there a game that you're kinda that you kind of buying a little bit here?
1: Well, I'd say Golden Gate-Naples. I, I think that's going to be an, an interesting game. It's, you know, we, there's been no secret that Golden Gate has come into this season thinking that they're ready to challenge, uh, you know, the, the top teams in Collier, and there's uh, Naples is the team at the top. Uh, it is at Naples, which is always a difficult place to play, and Golden Gate isn't coming off their best performance, especially on the offensive side of the ball at Bartow. Um, but I think this is a game that they've had circled for a long time, and I'm really interested to see how that one plays out. After the break, we are going to make our
0: picks in some of these games. Stay tuned. For more in-depth analysis of high school football in Lee and Collier County each week, go to NaplesNews.com and News-Press.com.
3: Let's just do it, okay?
0: Follow us on Instagram at NewsPressSports and NDN PrepZone. Ready, we go!
3: All right, and welcome back. Uh, good to be back on this segment. It is picks time uh, to recap last week. Uh, we all went 8 and 2 in different capacities. I got North Fort Myers and Dunbar wrong. Dustin got Cypress Lake and Dunbar wrong, and Dan got Cypress Lake and Dunbar wrong. Ed went 9 and 1 with a incorrect pick on ECS beating Mooney. Entering this week, Dan leads with the 26 and 4 record. I'm sitting at 25 and 5. Dustin sitting at twenty three and seven. All of us over seventy five percent, which was the benchmark last year for first place. Um, you know, overall thoughts. I mean, Dan, you're feeling uh feeling pretty good right now.
1: Yeah. Aside from uh, getting the Bishop Vero Dunbar game wrong, which uh, surprise, surprise, I heard about a few times uh, on social media and in other capacities. Um, pretty good so far.
3: Dustin, you got to make up some ground here. I mean, uh, are you going all in? Are you going to go opposite or just because on a few here? Wouldn't you like to know? <laughs> <laughs> That's why we're going to get right into it. Um, Battle of Unbeatens to start off. Oasis heading to community school. Um, you know, the Seahawks look good. Um, Oasis is undefeated under Jason Grain. They've already surpassed their win total from a season ago. Dustin, going to start it with you Seahawks or Sharks?
2: Yeah, the Oasis has uh, been a, a bit of a surprise early, um, getting the win over Canterbury last week. They've also beat Gateway Charter, Out of Door Academy. Um, I think CSN is a step up, and I, I think the Seahawks are going to get the win.
3: I think CSN proved that in a game in their game against SFCA, 44 nothing, running clock. Uh, the O-line there is no joke. Uh, they're going to manhandle Oasis. Sorry, guys. I mean, it's just... Just the truth, Um, that O-line's huge. I'm going to take CSN. Dan?
1: Yeah, I agree. The fact that the game is at CSN, and, you know, uh, really, a lot of credit to Oasis for their start. Uh, They've really come out and performed really well. But I just think physically they're going to be a little bit outmatched uh, at community school with just the size of that offensive line. I mean, that's that's a Class 3M-type-sized offensive line, and, and I think that'll be a big advantage. So CSN will win.
3: Uh, all in unison there next game Mariner headed to Riverdale Josh Nicholson's team you know had a strong second half to last year it's carried over into this year Um, do I think they keep it up yes I do Um, I think Mariner is going to stay undefeated in this week and they're gonna get their way against Riverdale Dustin
2: I think this is a a sneaky important game for the Tritons especially with um, just how things are, are shaking out in the west right now and We can't forget, Riverdale kind of handled this matchup last year, um, and I think they're going to be very, very hungry for the win. But I think just what we've seen so far, I have to take the Tritons here. Dan?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think it might be uh, a little bit closer uh, than you might think, just looking at the teams and their records. Uh, But I think ultimately Marinor will win. Of course, uh, Tampa Catholic headed
3: to Lehigh. Both teams coming off losses. Uh, Tampa Catholic losing thirty-seven to ten to Clearwater Central Catholic, and then Lehigh twenty-six to twenty decision at Lake Gibson. Uh, Dan, going to start it with you here. Tampa Catholic, um, you know, looking to get back into the win column, but Lehigh still seeking win number one. Uh, in the Antoine Dixon era who you got?
1: Yeah, definitely a better performance for Lehigh last week. They did come up short, but it was twenty six twenty at Lake Gibson after opening with forty five nine loss at home to Naples. I just think though Tampa Catholic just has too much talent. I mean it was kind of a lopsided loss to Clearwater Central Catholic, but they're defending Class 1 M state runner up. And Tampa has just a real high powered passing game. Um, they, they're averaging you know over about two hundred and seventy yards a game. They have TJ Moore, who's a Clemson commit. Uh, he has 14 catches for 421 yards. So that's that's like 30 yards a catch and six touchdowns. Uh, they have a, a, a big offensive lineman, Eddie Pierre-Louis, who's a UCF commit. Defensively, they have an Alabama commit, Jameer Grimsley at defensive back. They have a defensive lineman, Xavier Porter's going to Louisville. Uh, that's just too much talent. Uh, and I think Tampa Catholic wins that
3: game. Tampa Catholic, uh, notably, I mean, we talked about Uh, Clearwater Central Catholic, they actually beat the 1S uh, runner-up Trinity Catholic by a similar margin. Um, I'm going to go with Tampa Catholic here. It's just too much star power, um, and I think we're going to see that real early.
2: Yeah, I agree with you guys. um, Just with the success that the Crusaders have had, Um, I I think they're going to... Take this one and, um, you know, can't forget to mention that. They put 73 on Cypress Lake last year. Yeah, definitely
3: one of those interesting outcomes. I believe it's the first of two games that Tampa Catholic will be uh, coming down here to play a local squad. They, I think they play Fort Myers, play Fort Myers. A, a, in October. Yep. Uh, so that'll be a good little matchup. Uh, but going down to Collier County, Thursday night football, Lake Placid headed to Immokalee. Um, Lake Placid coming off a 22-18 win against Nova Immokalee you know two game skid for them the offense has been held to under 150 yards in the past two games I, I really don't know what to expect Dustin I'm going to circle it back to you
2: um, can Immokalee get back to 500 after four weeks yeah I think they're going to get back in the win column on this one um, just purely based on um, you know Cypress Lake got a 35 nothing win against the Dragons and I think uh, we expect a little bit more out of Immokalee, so I think the Indians get the win here.
3: I think it's a must-win game for James Delgado and company. I think they're going to get it here. You know, th- that offense is just due to kind of put it on somebody just after the frustrations over the last two weeks. And, I and, you know, sorry Lake Placid, but I, th- I think Immokalee is going to explode here, Dan.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think Immokalee will win even with the short week. I-, I think this is the type of opponent you want coming off a big physical matchup with Naples. I think Immokalee will win. Awesome. The first of maybe a couple toss-up games. Eastley County,
3: you know, kind of building over their first three weeks, headed to South Fort Myers, which uh, you know is, is two and one. You know, Eastley County looked, you know, looking back at that week one game against Mariner, kind of hung with Mariner. You know, they had a, a stereo dead to rights in the fourth quarter, but just couldn't close. And then against Island Coast, they, uh, you know, they handled business is a very tempting pick here just because of what they've been building towards over the last four weeks. But until someone can prove to me that you could stop Justin White, I'm taking South Fort Myers. Um, he's averaging 100 yards a game. Um, you know, Justin White and Chasing
2: Gita, that connection is, you know, pretty strong. I'm going to go with South, Dustin. I think the Jags are going to provide a challenge. Um, South has gotten the better of this matchup the the last few years, but I think Eastley definitely has – Explosiveness with Laz Rodgers, with uh, Victor Georges uh, to make some big plays. But I think what we've seen from the Wolfpack defense in the first few yeah. weeks of the season is really what uh, makes me more confident in South uh, to win this one.
1: Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think South, you know, it was big for them to get Victor Jenkins back last week. JV and White on defense. Um, they both missed the game against Riverdale. Even though North was able to kind of control that South running game, I think they'll have a little more success against Eastley Lee County. Um, and, you know, they, they want to try to get into a shootout, and I'm not sure they could do that against South Fort Myers defense. I think Laz Rogers uh, and Victor George, they'll make some big plays, but I think South ultimately win. This is going to be our Dunbar varro game uh,
3: when we're talking next Tuesday. Could I mean if Eastley, I could very well see Eastley winning this one. I just think South just has better coaching and just better athletes at key positions. Um, next game on the slate: Cypress Lake at Cape Coral. Two teams over five hundred right now uh, that weren't last year. You know, Cape is kind of their defense has held their own, but offensively, as Dan kind of alluded to, uh, they've struggled. They needed 14 points in the fourth quarter to beat a gateway team that's far inferior. Dan, going to start it with you here? I mean, Cypress Lake turned the ball over seven times. I I mean,
1: is this just going to be a slop test? Well, I think it'll be a low-scoring game, and I think (laughs) it'll come down to defense. And even though they lost 24 nothing, Cypress Lake's defense played pretty well against Stero. They gave up only about 160 total yards, just had to play on a bunch of short fields all night. I'm going to pick Cape. I think Cape's defense is a little better. Uh, I think, you know, this, this will probably be a ten-seven, sixteen, ten, 16, 10, you know, type of game. Um, And, but I, I think Cape will win. Dustin.
2: I'm going to take Cypress Lake. Um, Obviously tough effort last week. Uh, Estero got, you know, as Dan mentioned, some short fields, some backwards passes um, early in that game. Um, But, you know, that defense is still something to contend with. And also, I just want to try to make up the game
3: on you guys. Yeah, well, I, I don't know what's more, like, insane or, or, or what. Turning the ball over seven times or allowing just 24 points off of seven turnovers. And Cypress Lake's defense, I mean, to their credit, they were put in a lot of precarious positions. They did as good as about you can expect, you know, when your offense turns the ball over that many times. I'm almost inclined to join you here, and I think I'm going to. I'm going to take Cyprus. I just think, you know, they're due, and I think Cape is kind of, they've fiddled around a little too much to where, you know, coming back in the fourth quarter against Gateway and, you know, needing overtime to beat a Riley deremer less Benita Springs. I think they've kind of messed around a little too much, and I think they might find out this week. Next game on the slate, Lemon Bay at North Fort Myers. Uh, Lemon Bay, you know, maybe coming into this game might be the favorite this week. Dustin, going to start it with you. Uh, Mana Rays, or does North
2: get right this week at Moody Field? I think I'm going to go with the Red Knights on this one. Um, It's, you know, one team is 3-0, one team is 0-3, but I I think a desperate North Fort Myers, uh, especially if they're able to get Bryce DeRoss back, uh, will be able to get the win.
1: Dan? Yeah, I, I mean, I think this is a really important game for North. Uh, there was a lot of disappointment after that game last week. I kind of feel like, uh, you know, players and coaches-wise, think they felt like they kind of let that one get away. Uh, Coach Pasqual did say DeRoss is day-to-day. If he can get out there and play, I, I think it's real important for North Fort Myers to put out a good performance. Lemon Bay, Very physical team, uh, have good size, um, but I, I think North will find a way in this one, especially if DeRoss can get out there
3: it's the big question mark um you know did, did i think deross provides a that big of a spark to the offense as you guys think i don't i think this offense runs through virgil molloy and it runs through andre devine but i am going to pick north i just like i think adrian stone's gonna have a big game up front against their uh o-line and i think this game you know north will win this game i think on defensive effort i'm gonna go with north fort myers as well uh next game on the slate Naples hosting Golden Gate Thursday night football every game in Collier County this week uh, for the public schools uh, will be played on a Thursday. They are hosting a Golden Gate team that has been waiting for this challenge that is winless against Naples. Uh, Dan, I'm going to start it with you. Do, does Golden Gate have a case here, and do you think that you know they win this one? I mean, the common opponent suggests that, uh, you know, and Immokalee suggests that they should probably win this game.
1: Um, I think Naples will win. Um it's tough to pick against Naples. I think Golden Gate will have every opportunity to win this game. I think it could be one of the closer games they've had in the series, but I think Naples will find a way. Dustin?
2: I'm going to take Naples, um, and I'm not saying that kind of emphatically because I think Golden Gate has some players, and, and they're going to they're give uh, the Golden Eagles some headaches, but I, I think the run game of Naples, um, just from what we've seen so far this season, will prevail.
3: Having seen both teams so far, Golden Gate predicates itself on, on winning in the trenches in Naples. Obviously their defense in similar similar style. You know, I can't believe I'm saying this on air, but Naples actually has the better quarterback play in this one, uh, with Jack Melton. You know, Naples has a passing attack. Golden Gate simply just hasn't shown much of it at all. It's it's kind of a two-man game back there with Trayvon Jean and John Rot. I'm going to expect Naples to load up here in the box and dare Golden Gate to throw uh, just because they haven't had much of a proven passing attack. Um, And especially getting Naples on short rest, which, you know, Naples is on short rest too, but just having that good of an opponent, um, I'm going to take Naples at home. I I just think that, you know, the defense will come through. And, you know, maybe Trayvon Jean has a run here and there, but I, I just don't see Golden Gate sustaining that for four quarters. Second-to-last game on the slate, First Baptist going to Bishop Verot. This game was a shootout last year. I believe it was 98 total points in this one, 56-42 Lions, uh, in a game that was basically a one-score game the entire way until the final minute 45. Um, Vareau, high expectations this year, FBA, looking to get a signature win against an
2: opponent, Dustin, uh, Lions or Vikings. I'm going to take the Vikings. Uh, I I guess I learned my lesson from last week. It's just going to be hard to pick against them unless they give us a reason to. I do think First Baptist, uh, they can put up points for sure. Um, Jaden Pettit is definitely coming on this season. Uh, He scored three touchdowns, uh, three touchdown receptions last week. Um, And Ethan Cross is obviously experienced. So I I think it it could definitely get interesting. Um, I'll be looking to see if First Baptist can run the ball against that Varro front. But I, I like the Vikings in this one.
3: I just have this eerie feeling about First Baptist, and maybe it's because of what I said at the end of last year before the state title game. You know, I just have an eerie feeling that they might be able to pull this one off. But you know, at the end of the day, Varro has the more experienced team on both sides of the ball. Varro is the team that lost this game, and Varro, I think will want it more. You know, just the O line play. I mean, Vero has had their chance to run for. You know They've had their way running the football over the last two games that they played against Port Charlotte and against Dunbar. Uh, two defensive lines that I think we can all agree are front sevens that are bigger and more physical than First Baptist is. Um, obviously the lines are more technical and more sound and, and know how to get takeaways. But at the end of the day, I just think Verreau – Will probably come out of this one victorious. Maybe the bigger goal for First Baptist is to not get running clocked because that's the standard so far that Verro has put on two of our area's top teams in Port Charlotte and Dunbar. I don't think they're going to get running clocked in this one, but um, I, I think Verro is is a distinct favorite. Dan,
1: so you're going with Verro P- yeah. publicly yeah, and yeah, privately.
3: Yeah, pu- publicly and privately, I am. I, I'm on Verro in this one. Yes. All right. <laughs> Just wanted to verify
1: that. I'm going to pick Verro. Also, I think you could. Maybe make the case that after that big win against Dunbar, it'd be natural to have some type of letdown. Not against First Baptist, not against, uh, you know, a team uh, that beat them last year in the manner in which that game ended. Uh, Vero will win. Yeah, and just remembering
3: last year's game real quick, as as an aside, that game, I think if Ethan Crossan stays in the game, you know, I think Vero probably wins. It's just, you know, FBA had something with Rich Mellion and, and Jaden Booker in the run game that gashed. Verro's defense. I mean Verro's defense gave up close to 400 plus yards on the ground. I think it was over 400. Um, that's not going to happen this year, especially you know with Sam Spacio's status uncertain um, but I, I wouldn't be shocked if he plays in this one. but I just don't think the run game can do that again and, and Verro's defense is is vastly improved and I don't think they're going to get beat over the top like they did a couple times last year. Last game, you know our game of the week, Fort Myers headed to Dunbar know these two teams are separated by less than three miles. Should be a good one. Dustin gonna start it with you. Is it a bad thing that Fort Myers has to play Dunbar this week, especially in the manner in which they got beat the week prior?
2: My brain and my gut are telling me two different things here. My brain is is telling me um, you know, that Fort Myers has the pieces to be able to take advantage of the things that Verroe was last week. Um although for the first three weeks of the season has Fort Myers looked the cleanest no not necessarily but they are two and one my gut on the other hand is saying uh Dunbar is is not gonna not respond to what happened last week and Sammy Brown is is gonna get them ready to go uh, so so this is a really tricky one to call but I I'm gonna go with Fort Myers um just based on their last two battles um that both went the Tigers way I think the Greenies might be due And I think Kendall Garville could be in line for a big game. Dan? This is a district game too. Uh, yeah, which, it is district which week. Which
1: kind of gets kind of gets lost uh, because there aren't a whole lot of district games this uh, this week. But this is one of them. Fort Myers eight and seven all time against Dunbar, but Dunbar's won the last three. Those games have been weird games. Uh, there's been a, a turnover, a penalty, just something that's happened, and they've all been close games. They've all been within you know, within a touchdown. Uh, Is this senior class for Fort Myers going to go winless against Dunbar? Is Dunbar going to lose two straight games against two, you know, really big opponents that they were, you know, should have every reason to be up for at home? I'm going to go with Fort Myers also. I I think – Even though they've been sloppy at times, like Dustin said, I I, I think they're going to be ready to go against a Dunbar team that has shown its offensive line has not played well. And if you can't get good, consistent blocking out of your offensive line, that's very difficult to try to fix in a week. Um, especially against a team that's going to be fired up. Uh, If Fort Myers wins this game, which I'm predicting they do, that'll be their 700th win, Uh, you know, really historic, Uh, one of only four programs we have confirmed that that will have 700 wins. I think it's going to happen. I think Fort Myers will win.
3: Not so fast, my friend. Last week was an overreaction. This Dunbar team is better than the running clock score that happened last week. I just think – that you know Dunbar's receivers kind of proved it. They had 200 yards passing. I, I think this receiving core is legit. Yep. Uh, with Eric Fletcher and and you know who knows what they're gonna where they're gonna put Twaski this week. It was running back last week and it was wide receiver the week prior. I just think with them and Hollywood Loggins and, and I think uh, Caden Rivera had a good game. I, I just think Dunbar will be able to exploit matchups here. And Sammy Brown has kind of had his way against Sammy Sirianni over the last couple of years. Um, The one counterpoint I will say, and and I can completely understand why you guys are picking Fort Myers, over the last two seasons, 2021 and 2022, uh, Fort Myers has had just 200-yard rushing games on the ground, one per year. This year so far, they've got two games already over 200 yards on the ground. Remember a couple years back, we were talking about the O-line and the inconsistencies. Um, They seem to have found stability there finally with Frank Starks uh, running behind that line and Chris McFoley kind of you know, getting his chances here uh, here and there. Um, so I can see this game. It's a one-score game, I think. I think these teams are on similar talent levels. Uh, but I just like Dunbar at home. I, I just can't see this team losing two in a row. You know, and Carter Smith didn't really test the secondary. So, I mean, this is going to be up to the run defense again? And I, I think that, you know, Verro's O-line is better than Fort Myers, and I think Verro's got the better running back. So I think, you know, this game will be a lot closer, you know, and I think Dunbar comes out on top. So a couple differences there. Um, You know, it should be fun to talk about this next week. But we're going to have a lot of content, you know, leading up into this week uh, and Friday. You know, Dustin's going to have a nice little feature. Um, You can go to that at news-press.com slash sports and naplesnews.com slash sports for all of our content. You know, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, it's going to be pretty hot and busy on the website. Uh, Be sure to go there. Um, And be sure to follow my colleagues, Dustin Levy, Dan DeLuca, and myself at Dustin B Levy at News Press Dan and at np underscore alex martin on x um, we'll be tweeting out live updates uh, might do a twitter spaces this week i don't know yet but uh we'll see but for those guys um, i'm alex martin this was season six episode five of the inside southwest florida football podcast we'll see you next week to talk about some more games
0: Thanks for listening. Remember, the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast will be available for download every Wednesday at noon to get you ready for upcoming games. One, two, 03.